0: Well, hey, cousins, you were listening to Revolutionary Hood Rap with Kim Young of Dope Black Social Worker, and welcome back. I can't believe it. Um, We have another episode, even though I released one last week. Look at me being consistent in 2024. There is, when there is a will, there is a way. Let's see how long I keep this up. Anyways, let's go ahead and jump into the revolutionary news for the week. And the revolutionary news for the week, yet again, goes out to social workers in Virginia. Because as long as House Bill 606 is still alive and well in the General Assembly this session, we're going to continue to be the revolutionary news until we see this thing all the way through. So for those who may not be familiar, in Virginia, we are organizing and moving efforts to create an equitable pathway to clinical social rec licensure that will allow for a applicant to opt out of taking the ASWB clinical exam and instead accumulate an additional 1500 hours of supervised experience hours. And so the bill lives on to fight another week, another day in committees. And so until we get to the finish line, baby, I can promise y'all, we about to be the revolutionary news every single episode, um, for the foreseeable future. Just to make sure that I'm doing my best to keep people informed where we are in this process, because I understand and I have heard from a number of social workers across the country who are just trying to figure out what this can look like in their state or in the locality. Like, how do we organize? How do we get legislation to be considered to think about these examination alternatives? And so I'm going to do everything that I can to remain transparent. And share with y'all where we are in this process, what it has been like, where there's opportunities for you to consider, to, to dream and to organize and, and get things moving where you are. So that is our revolutionary news for the week. HB House Bill 606 still lives in Virginia. Um, it has been reassigned to a new committee um, in the General Assembly. And this is to our benefit because the committee is chaired by the patron of the bill. And so that's just giving us a lot of hope that we can get HB um, 606 out of committee and onto the floor for a vote. So y'all, we're gonna get this done. And the only way we're gonna get this done is together and by being transparent about where we are in this process. And so things are feeling good and looking good uh, to create this alternative pathway here in Virginia. So let's go ahead and jump into why I cut on the microphone this week. And that is because we have another guest. And, um... The guest this week is Erica Anderson. And Erica Anderson is the founder of the Millennial Social Work Conference, which, you know, much of our conversation was about because the work that she has done is absolutely inspirational. Now, let me go ahead and do a formal introduction of Erica. So, Erica is a licensed clinical social worker that graduated with her master's from Clark Atlanta University. So, Erica down in Georgia, Atlanta to be exact. Sound sex with it? I don't really know. She not mind. Let me stop. Um. So Erica understands the complexities of mental health and has a passion for helping others. Erica is also a trailblazer because she did create the Millennial Social Work Conference, um, which provides a space for collaboration and knowledge sharing amongst emerging and career social workers. Erica also owns Loving Our Community Counseling Services and has founded a nonprofit organization that champions the cause of mental accessibility and advocacy. So I'm going to go ahead and transition us into this conversation with Erica so that y'all can really learn more about the Millennial Social Work Conference that will take place this year in Atlanta on March, from March 1st to March 2nd, because it might be the first time I truly have been excited about attending a conference. Yes, cousins, I'm going to be at the Millennial Social Work Conference this year. So like, if you are also planning to attend, pull up on me. Let's pull up on each other. I'm coming to learn. I'm coming to be in community with y'all. I'm not coming to present or do shit. I might do a little hood rat things from here. And if you know, i definitely, ain't no might. I'm definitely gonna do some hood rat shit uh, in Atlanta for the conference. But most importantly, I am just looking forward to being in community with y'all. So let's go ahead and get into this conversation with Erica. Boom. All right. Miss Erica, um, hey hey, thank you so much for turning this thing around. Cause I reached out to you not even too long ago, and then all of a sudden here we are, here we are. Um, and I'm excited I'm, about it. I'm ready. Yeah, I am so honored to be able to um, have this conversation with you, but also get an opportunity to learn more about you. Cause the what I know of you um has a lot to do with the conference that you have really been the center of. The founder of, and it's a movement when you think about it, the Millennial Social Work Conference. And I, I think about that time that I had an opportunity to present virtually when the vid shut the world down. I don't know what year that was <laughs> for the conference, but you worked that thing out while running a virtual conference. Y'all did that thing. Um, And so, yeah, the place that I love to start with folks when they hop on Revolutionary Hood Rad is to talk about their journey and pathway into this work. How did you get here?
1: All right. Um, So basically, I think it was in 2018, summer of 2018. um, I was running. I was out trying to get my exercise on. And. I kind of started to think about. The other conferences that I attended, I had literally just attended a conference like a week or two before that. So it was just kind of on my mind. And that previous conference that I had attended, I felt so out of place. I felt shame to even be there because quite a few people made comments about millennials. So they were saying the your stereotypical things about millennials. Yeah. Right, so I felt out of place. I really just didn't even like being there, but I loved learning. Right. So I love that part of it. But I didn't like the um the mocking that was taking place. So when I was out running that day, it just kind of hit me like, just let's figure out if we can do something ourselves like for us. And that's kind of how it started. And I reached out to a friend and she was like, yeah, that's a good idea. So then I reached out to another friend and I was like, yeah, let's make that happen. <laughs> so that that's kind of how we started it.
0: So before like even thinking about how you got to the place of being out on this run, having this experience of like, I'm going to solve a problem that I experienced. And then maybe it will also benefit other people if I can solve this problem. How did Erica, the problem solver even come to be meaning like, what was your journey into the field of social work? How did you get into this stuff before you even got into conference organizing? how did you get into this works?
1: So the thing is, Kim, I I was pushed into this field. Uh, it's not a journey that I would have thought I would have took, but somehow I, I ended up being here. Um, I was going, when I was in college, I was like, oh, uh, I don't know what I'm gonna do, right? And I thought, like, oh, I'll be a nurse. Oh, I'll do this. Oh, I'll do that. Um, and during this period in which I was, after I had graduated, I graduated with a degree in psychology, eventually still not knowing what I was going to do, because my whole thing was, I was just happy to be in college. Yeah. Right. Are Um, you a a Generation college student? I I am. Yeah, I am. Right. So I was just happy to be Mm -hmm. there and, um, meet the individuals that I was meeting and having just a good time. So during the period in which I had graduated and before grad school, I had got a job uh, working with a contract agency for DFACS here in georgia so when i was doing that i was like oh okay i can kind of see myself doing this this is pretty cool but i thought i was going to do that forever and my the owner of the company at the time she pulled me to the side and she was like hey you, you should go back to school to get your master's i was like "Ah, oh, no i don't want to do that like i make good money here because i'm in <laughs> I'm, I'm in my early 20s i'm making i'm making decent money I'm like, no, I make good money here. And she was like, no, you should go back. I'm going to schedule it for you to go speak to somebody on campus. So I went, didn't think too much of it. And then eventually I knew I was going to move to Atlanta. So I applied for Clark Atlanta's master's program Mm. in social work. So y'all like yet again, I like I'm talking to
0: another person when I asked the story about the journey in the social work that fell into it. That fell awesome. into it. And you know what? I'm starting to really love asking this question of guests and hearing the story because I, there has to be, I'm I'm not a researcher by any means. I struggle to get my tail through research class in my MSW program because SPSS just really messed with my head. <laughs> However, <laughs> I learned so there has to be a level of association because when I kind of engage with like white social workers and they talk about how they had these dreams of always wanting to become a social worker. Like they they knew what this field was, they knew what this work was and they set off to like pursue the degree. I have yet to come across like a black or brown person that I talked to. That doesn't mean they're not out there that tells me like this is what they wanted to do. Like they knew about the field, they wanted to pursue the, gre- the degree and they went out to get it. Like a lot of us that I have talked to thus far, myself included, either were pushed in or fell into it. You know what I mean? And I think that's really dope when we start to recall the foundation and the history of the social work field, not so much like the profession, how it got professionalized, but this work. It's like Black, brown, indigenous work, right? Like it's our work, but for the longest, we didn't have access to or didn't have awareness about the profession of social work.
1: I think that's the big thing, Kim, is that lack of awareness, right? And we don't see how the field of social work um and the work that we do can actually benefit our community. Yeah. We look and we say, oh man, these kids are this, these kids are in the street. These kids are over here. Oh, you don't have, you know, we have broken homes. The field of social work and, and the power within the field of social work can assist so much in those areas if we use, if we use it correctly. Yeah. And that's one thing that I definitely love, definitely love to focus on.
0: Yeah. And I heard you mention you went to Clark Atlanta University. That was one of the programs that I looked into when I was looking for my MSW, because at the time, I don't know if it's still the case, but like at the time, it was the only Afrocentric perspective program in the country. It is. What was that like?
1: Um, I love Clark Atlanta. I want to live
0: through you real quick. What was that like?
1: I loved attending Clark Atlanta diversity. Um, just the, like you stated, so when you first come in, you're going to, you're going to feel the Afrocentric perspective, right? My, uh, my first professor, first day I went in, we, that's what we wrote down, Right. We had to write down our dean's name. We had to write down the definition of Afrocentric perspective. And we dived into that thing. Um, so I really and truly enjoyed my experience at Clark Atlanta University. I have a very close connection with my professor. So when I'm speaking to other individuals who potentially attended a PWI or either um, a school um, outside of Clark Atlanta University, they don't necessarily have connections with their professors. Mm. I have close connections with my professors to the point where I can pick up my phone and call them right now, and have a conversation with them. Um, I'm very blessed to have attended Clark Atlanta just for that part because yeah. whenever if if I do have difficulty in the field, I have people that I can lean on. I'm yeah. not by myself, and that's one huge thing that Clark Atlanta teaches is that you're not alone. We are a community, so I'm very glad that I that I attended Clark Atlanta. Yeah, just like that Afrocentric framework to how people
0: engage with like the student population and faculty they understand like collectively it's a we thing right it's not like a, us the uh, faculty them the student but like a, a collective we to the point where the community is there beyond your time in the classroom and uh-huh. that alone is going to set somebody up for success or really hard situations when they get out of school if they don't have like a collective, a community, a village when you're out there trying to navigate this work because nothing about this field is easy.
1: <laughs> no, absolutely. And let's just say I did not attend Clark Atlanta University. I would not have been able to think of the Millennial Social Work Conference mm. because at Clark Atlanta, they teach you to kind of stretch your thinking, right? Right. Social work is not defect So basically, uh, I had one professor tell me, no one in this class will ever work at defects. That's not what we're doing. Think past that. Think beyond that. Right? People are quick. Is that like say, oh, family
0: services in Georgia?
1: Yes. yes like I'm doing sorry. like CPS and stuff like that? Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Sorry about that. Yeah, um, no. But uh, a lot of people feel as though, right, there's no money in social work. Yeah. Again, Clark Atlanta taught me there's a lot of money in social work. Right, so you can serve your community and be able to serve your family.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of money in America. Like, I need people to really release like this scarcity mindset. There's so much wealth and money. Does you know everyone don't have equal access or equitable access to the things? But like nothing about this profession, it should not be a broke profession. Like the way that it is currently structured, you know all the layers of oppression. You know why it is the way that it is. But this work should not be a broke profession. Nor should we have to work as hard to make like the same amount of money as some folks who don't work half as hard as we do.
1: Absolutely, or as long, right? Or as I long. Mean, have social workers that's working two two full time or well, two Absolutely. jobs potentially they're doing um crises, you yep. know in the evening or at night. Shouldn't have to do all that. Yeah, I did my I had my three jobs.
0: I work my full-time job, I work the hospital every other weekend and week weekday night, and then I work the group home every other weekend see that's not normal but for like people in the work unfortunately it's very normal um so in the beginning you shared a little bit about like the motivation that led you to create the millennial social work conference and one of them was like the experience you had at a conference you didn't like the way they were talking about millennials girl what was they saying about us
1: stereotypical things we're lazy we don't um in the workplace we don't like to necessarily take leadership roles which we do but um other generations are kind of hogging those roles and not allowing people to step into those roles. Uh, I mean, it it really and truly just kind of made you feel out of place, made you feel like you weren't um, respected in the field and you shouldn't be in the field. Mm. So that's kind of, that was kind of the basis of the millennial social work conference as far as why it started or why I wanted to to, um, actually create it. But then from there, um, when I was actually sitting down and kind of mapping it out, one of the main things that stuck out to me was I want to give us a platform to present. Oh yeah. right. Because at this conference- Like add to the research, add to the the knowledge. At this conference, the individuals that were presenting didn't look like me. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: I feel like they did not understand me and they did not understand the populations they were serving to be completely Mm -hmm. honest. Mm -hmm. So some people look at social work and look at life as this linear path, whereas I view it as like this circular path. Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah.
0: So like even when I think about, because I've heard some of the same stereotypical things about millennials and there are times I got to slow people down. I don't like to other, but sometimes you got to other to make a point point. and like I got to be slowing down some of these, you know, triple OGs. And i be, I think they'd be getting us confused with Gen Z from time to time. And I'd be like, you know, Beyonce and millennial. Like millennials are entering into the grandparent realm. Like millennials are in their 40s. <laughs> and so when they be trying to Absolutely. bring up some of this stuff, I'll be like, I, let me help you understand when you're talking about millennials, talking about this age group. And, and at this moment in time, we are the largest segment of the workforce.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Right?
0: Yeah. um. So I cannot even imagine what it takes. Are you at a multi-day conference now?
1: Like now is it multiple days, Erica? Well, it has always been multiple days. Ooh. Yeah. So so I cannot start- imagine. Yeah. It started out as a two-day conference. It's still a two-day conference, but it yeah. started out as a two-day conference. The first year was 2019 that wow. we had the conference. Wow. So just
0: planning a conference. So, we have in the vision, but not, you know, along with having the vision, you had a village and you have a village and community that help you make the vision a reality. Talk to us about some of the joys and the challenges of planning a conference. Cause I know people are often wondering, well, I wanna be able to do something like this too. Yeah. Right? Like, t- talk to us about that process and the joys and the challenges of getting it done.
1: Absolutely. Um, people are, you know, are interested in having conferences and I'm here. I'm a resource. You can reach out to me. You can ask other people that have reached out to me. Um, I'm here to offer that assistance. So you can call me anytime or message me anytime. Um, but so. I'll talk about the challenges first. I had to think about which way I that's want a to real go.
0: social work response is like you about to sandwich it. Go ahead
1: sandwich that thing for us. <laughs> um, I want to talk about I want to talk about the challenges first. So. Um, initially it was very difficult because the doors that I was knocking on or the people that I was, um, trying to get to help and to assist and actually see this vision. They didn't see it. Mm. Right. So it was very difficult. I reached out to, um, a couple of universities, uh, as far as to actually have the conference at those universities and connect with their school of social work. And they were like, oh no. Mm. no you know that's not what is that oh no oh my gosh um and again uh it just felt like you were constantly being beat so the first year it took a lot out of me right the fact that i even was able to successfully put it on was is shocking to me even when i think about it now because it was nice i'm not being completely honest kim when i first started it was nice where i cried i'm like I oh my god like, why, why do people not see what i see yeah why can I not get the help why can I not find these resources um that I need to actually put on this conference like I know how I can do this I can plan anything you give me a task I'm gonna get it complete so I have I have the ability to do it but no one believed in me in that mm-hmm. moment and so then I fell back on on my community right from Clark Atlanta I fell back on my community at Clark Atlanta and they really and truly helped me um put on an amazing conference as far as um finding people to speak at the conference. The first year we actually had Shanti Daz, um, who's like this, she's a hip hop mogul. If you ask me here, here in Atlanta, um, she was, she keynoted. She was a keynote speaker for that mm. year. She has a nonprofit called Silence the Shame. Mm. Also that year we successfully got the, um, uh, the commissioner for DBHDD here in Georgia. Okay, she came and she spoke, and I think when she re- and she reached out to me, so I didn't even reach out to her. She reached out to me, and I think when she reached out to me, that actually gave me motivation to keep going.
0: Did they cut I you went- a check too, like as a sponsorship sponsor for the
1: conference? They were there. Yeah, they were. That's they were- important
0: too. People got to talk about you know the there's money's involved in this, <laughs> y'all. Yeah,
1: Absolutely no, no, and it is. It's not cheap. It's not cheap at all to put yeah. on a it's quite expensive mm-hmm. and even that part right so now i'm like oh man i have to front all this money like i have to figure out how to make it. and at that time i wasn't making money cam no one makes no one really makes money the
0: first three times they do something for real for no you. no I'm, I'm talking about in life i wasn't making money oh oh no. okay my bad okay so he was uh, on a prayer you was oh, on the ancestors in a prayer pulling this together.
1: I, I was on a prayer for real, but I definitely wanted to to complete it. But those, those were the biggest challenges, just trying to find people to see the vision that I saw. Yeah. Right. But um, when we're looking at the other aspect of it, oh, man, it's beautiful. When you actually sit down and you're able to see your conference come together, you're able to see this event come together. Your heart light lights mm. up. Um, I've met so many amazing people hosting this conference, amazing people, like True Connections. And then I'm also able to witness other connections be made because of the conference, yeah. right? So you're talking about bringing individuals to Georgia, to Atlanta from all, the, all over the country. All over the country, they're coming to Atlanta for this particular conference, and they're making these connections. So I enjoy it all of that each and every year that just makes my heart smile when I'm able to sit back and watch dang look at all these people that showed up I like that so yeah that's
0: that um that's the community stuff like when we think about the importance of being in community for like collective healing Mm
1: -hmm. um
0: and beyond that when we think about all of the things or some of the things that our generation has endured thus far, like our need to be in community continues to grow. And I think it's a testament to what you have created. But beyond that, like your discipline and not giving up on what you have been pretty much like told you need to do. Like even when it felt like, oh, I don't even know why. Mm-hmm. I don't even know why that no one can see what I can see. I'm overwhelmed this, that, or the third, but like, no, like this is a part of your purpose and, and vision and mission while you hear Earthside, And then to be able to reap the benefits and not all of them be intangible ones, but like all the things on the inside, um, uh-huh. when people probably share with you in reflection of what it meant to be present or be seen at a space like you know the millennial social work conference because for you it's like well when you go back you think how you didn't feel seen at the conference that you was at and now look at you creating a space for like hundreds of social workers to feel seen like that's phenomenal
1: absolutely and and i i really and truly enjoy it like from the vendors that come and they're able to to sell and create and then you you may see like one person that's an attendee one year And then the next year, they're like, well, Erica, you know, I've done this, right. I've done this research and this is what I want to present. And they present one the next year. And then the next year, they're like, Erica, I wrote a book. And now they're selling their book at the conference. Like that, that matriculation, I absolutely love it. I absolutely love it because that's what it's there for, right? Mm-hmm. It's this platform to bring social workers together to express whatever talents they have. So I absolutely love that bargain. Like mm-hmm. I cannot express how much I love it. It makes me, it makes me cry. I'm finna cry now. It makes me cry.
0: Listen, I'm getting my little chills because I like I truly love us in this work. And I have been saying for a while now how the field of social work is getting browner and is getting younger. And there's nothing that anyone can do about that as much as they try But like these policies and admissions guidelines and licensure challenges across the country. No matter how hard they try to keep us out of the field, it continues to grow browner and younger. Um, And just to know like you had the foresight of like, oh, no, we need a landing spot for us. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> because we're going to continue to come into this field. And the way that we stay in it is by finding our people.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's
0: finding our people. Um, and so I want to ask from your perspective, since your focus has been like on millennial social workers, what do you really believe our influence is as Black and as millennial social workers on the profession? Okay.
1: So the first thing, Kim... I think that each individual person have to, each individual social worker, right? Black or brown social worker have to understand that they do have an influence in the field, right? So often with our work, we get tired, we get exhausted, we don't feel seen. And when those things begin to happen, we kind of give up, right? Oh, this isn't for me. Oh, I can't do this. Oh no, I can't give my all in this field anymore. And I'm gonna talk about giving our all because, um, I don't mean give everything that you have, right? But give what you can because mm-hmm. you still need to make sure that you're taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Right? Make sure that you're taking care of yourself. Um, but within the field, first, I want people to understand that each one of us have this impact and it is important. But overall, what I would like to, what I would like Black and Brown individuals to understand is that not only are we moving on this micro level, but we are moving on a macro level. Yeah. So we have to get out of the mindset of I'm just going to this job and this is what I'm doing and then I'm going home. Mm. Right. Look at it from a macro perspective. If you and this is only for individuals that actually have the time, the energy, and want to change a community. Does that make sense? and I get that everybody don't want to do that and that's perfectly okay right you live your life however you choose um but we have to look at it more so from a macro perspective I'm sorry from yeah from a macro perspective and I would like to start seeing us matriculate into these higher positions in these organizations right so if it's your state board um if it is uh, ABSW who's creating these exams and doing what they're doing over here if it's NASW right you need to start matriculating into these positions so that we can continue to um, help out help our community and change the face of our of our field of the field of social work which is heavily heavily um, impacted in the black and brown community
0: absolutely absolutely and it like even along those lines is. I think one of our greatest um, contributions to this work is we are the people who are most proximate to the oppression and the suffering and the pain in the world, right? And so those people typically have the answers um, for a lot of the problems that communities are facing. And so the more of us that get into the work, I think we can start to see changes, to your point, like at a larger level, not so much at the individual level, one-on-one engagement, but at a larger level, the more of us that continue to get into this work. And I also believe that a lot of Black and brown folks, because of the way we, you know, our culture and the way we understand and relate to each other, I don't think we really know how to separate, like, you from me. No, when I see you, I see me. Mm-hmm. right like mm-hmm. and they don't teach us that in school they try to teach us you're this they're that no no that's not how my people function that's not what we do um and so even like bringing more of that into the work gets us closer to the foundation of what this profession was it was never about to it was never supposed to be about a, a, a us and them it was always like a collective we to your point, the circle, like going back to the we. And I think millennial social workers and especially Gen Z, because them babies not taking nobody's nonsense, like they ready to to burn everything
1: down. (laughs) They're
0: They're ready to burn everything down. But I have a lot of hope and faith that we're going to get closer to leaning into the true ideals of social work, the more of us that get in it and stay in it.
1: Yep, oh, yep. Because we, you know, we have to get out of that the mindset of gatekeeping, um, which is what the field of social work has traditionally been. Right? We're not gatekeeping anything.
0: But I'm, and I'm trying to get out. I want to open up us the gate wide open and leave. Like you know, like I'm already of the mindset. I'm not doing this forever. Oh, yeah. I'm out.
1: I'm yeah. out. This <laughs> is this is not a field in my opinion, to, you know, to stay in until you're 16 years old, Ew. right? Because we give so much of ourselves on a day-to-day basis. You can't do it. You can't. Mm-hmm. I, I, You know, I'm with you, Kim. I agree. I already know what my next step is. I got to wait no. these 10 years out. But after these 10 years, I, I know what my next step is.
0: Look, I'm happy at least you know. I don't even know. I just know I'm leaving. I gave myself a deadline of 2030. I'm going to be out before 2030. I just know I am leaving because I feel myself changing and I don't want to change so much where um, I disconnect from seeing like you as me. I want to make sure I, I I don't want to know what burnout is, which that's kind of how I explain it to people. I want to leave before I know what burnout is. Like I want to be out of the field before I know what burnout is. Um, The next place that I want to take our conversation, because we talk a lot about, you know, Being millennials and being black social workers, but then a really big part of that, especially for our community, I believe is like the role that elders have played in guiding, right? And supporting and nurturing. And I can only imagine how many elders stood in and stepped up for you to like get this conference to where it is. And I also want to honor and give recognition and even give some space for you to to share a story or a memory. Because I just know y'all experienced a significant loss last year um, with Dr. Angela Bullock. And so just like the importance of elders and guiding. And I want to bring this up because young people, we cannot lose sight of the importance of the elders in our lives. We Absolutely. gotta bring them along with us because we wouldn't be here without them. And so I just want to make a moment to talk about the importance of elders in this work.
1: Yeah, no, one hundred percent. Elders, as well. Me personally, I bring my ancestors with me everywhere I go. Yeah. Right. Um, Again, I think that's how I ended up in this field. I was pulled into this, field. I didn't want to do that. This was was the last thing that was on my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, So every every step I take, literally, I bring my ancestors with me. Right. And the guidance that they have continually assisted me with um, on a day to day basis. But as far as just looking at elders in the field of social work, pretty much everybody that that um, I go to that I lean on that I call on um, that have guided me over the past six years uh, I would consider elders to me Mm. Mm. Uh, the knowledge that they have the knowledge that they have provided to me or inflicted on me uh, if it wasn't for them I wouldn't be here and i want to specifically speak about angela briefly because angela has my heart um i'm going to try my best not to get emotional
0: or you can angela- sure thank you. <laughs> thank you
1: angela has my heart this has been an extremely difficult year for me mm-hmm. since last uh, since last april um and i honestly i didn't want to do the conference this year i didn't i didn't feel like i could do the conference yeah. this year without her being here with me um and everything that she shared with me but when Angela was passing one thing that I saw one thing that I noticed when I went to to Houston um Angela was still working mm. she was still she she still discussed the importance of social work she still she was still trying to plan the conference she was like Erica ne- next year we're gonna have the conference here like next year we're gonna do this we're gonna do that and just to see how strong she was and to see how yeah. wise she was and how much of herself she gave to the field, if I could just halfway follow in her footsteps, I'll be all right. Right? She was an amazing soul, an yeah. amazing soul. Um, she lit up any room that she was in. She was funny. She was hilarious. But she loved social work. Mm. and anybody who know Angela um, within the field of social work understands how much she loved and she cared about social work yeah Um, we we are actually in the process of creating a foundation in Angela's name Mm. so the Dr. Angela M. Bullock Foundation and if so the and I'm not sure if everyone knows this or not, but all of all of the proceeds after we pay for the venue, after we pay for the food and everything else that we have to pay for, all of the proceeds go to a nonprofit. We pocket we don't pocket anything, right? Everything goes to a nonprofit. Um and then so what we're going to do this year, half of it is going to go to Loving Our Community, mm-hmm. which is one of our which is one of the nonprofits. And then the other half is going to go to the Angela and Bullock, Dr. Angela and Bullock Foundation. Um so that we can continue the work that she was doing while she was here on there.
0: yeah see that's beautiful that's beautiful and I think it is a huge testament to um the importance of having elders around you I just want to express like if you're listening to this and and you you don't have no elders you gotta I want you to put yourself in a position to find some and yeah, be willing have- to receive and listen
1: yeah you you absolutely have to right we don't know everything no right. We don't know everything. So you absolutely have to surround yourself with good people. And that was one of the very, and it's still difficult. I'm, tr- I'm going to try my best not to cry. No, you said I can't, Kim, I'm going to try not to cry. It's still difficult because Angela was that person that I could go to, right? If I'm trying to create something, if I'm trying to think of something, um, if I'm trying to work on something, uh, Angela's the person that I can go to and she can flesh it out you can give her any problem she'll be able to flesh it out for you she had that knowledge she had that skill to do that I keep a picture of Angela in my car and I have to because yeah. I need her with pretty much on a day-to-day basis right yeah. not being selfish but I feel like I need her on a day-to-day basis to help guide me through a lot of unnecessary stuff that I go through um, in life so uh, but if we're looking at other individuals right even your professors uh, you want you want to get close to your professors. You want to be able to, if you can find professors to lean on, you yeah. wanna be able to lean on those professors. Like I stated at, at towards the beginning, my professors at, at Clark Atlanta University, I can still lean on them. I can yeah. still they I can still call them. They can still continue to guide me. Not not just with the conference. I'm talking about with life. Yeah. Right? Um when I'm looking at uh, NASW president, current president. Dr. E Street, he came to the conference last year. Another great that I can lean on, that I can call on, that I can thank. I can talk to if I'm having difficulty with anything. Um, Towards the end of last year, I quit my job. I get so happy when people quit jobs. Real good feeling, real good feeling. Oh,
0: I get so excited when people quit. Congratulations.
1: Thank you, thank you. You're welcome. Um, But before I quit my job, I did talk to Dr. Eastry yeah. and he guided me through that. And I'm so thankful that he actually took the time when he was, when he was here in Atlanta to sit down and talk to me, because again, when I first started the conference, it was so many individuals that I reached out to that wasn't bad. Yeah. But he was able to sit down and talk to me, kind of got me through that and I'm I'm very appreciative of that.
0: That's beautiful. And so even to add on to the list of where people could look for elders around them, it might be your field supervisor. It might be somebody in your office that you haven't really paid attention to. It might be the, the front desk receptionist at your agency. Like I'm trying to tell you, like the elders are all the paraprofessional, a peer support specialist, like the elders are all around us. We just have to be aware of their presence and be willing to receive from them because I'm trying to tell y'all right now, it's gonna make your time on earth a lot more pleasurable, especially as you're trying to navigate and figure not just life out, but also this work. And yeah. so I, I'm incredible, incredibly grateful for every elder in my life. And I wanna remind people, I am not an elder. I'm a young OG. People be trying to chat <laughs> and hit me That's with some I'd be like, Egh. I'm a young OG. I have not transitioned into elder. <laughs> You got to go look somewhere else for that. <laughs> I, I still do dumb stuff every single
1: day. But right? what, like I though, what I found out though, Kim, everybody do. It don't matter how I old. Know, I know. I It don't matter I how We all out here doing dumb stuff.
0: Definitely. But I think I still care. Elders, they just look. They just do it. You know, they do whatever they want to do. You just got to yeah. deal with it. I'm not yeah. there yet. When I get there, it's then, Yeah, it's over. And now, you know, then i will be your elder. But right now, I'm just a young OG.
1: (laughs) I like that. That's cute.
0: (laughs) So we talked a lot about the work, your pathway. We're going to give like final details about the conference at the end. But I always have to ask this question because there's a balance between, you know, people showing up in the work and checking boxes and doing all the social work therapy stuff. But I'm a really big proponent of just doing hood rat activities. And that can look like a lot of things for people. For some people, the hood rat stuff could be reading a book, watching trash television, you know, trucking on somebody's table at brunch, you know, cooking lamb chops at the house. Like there's all there's a variety of hood rat activities, and we just got to know what hood rat activities bring Erica joy. Cause you went to Atlanta, and I probably would be at a booty ball if I was in Atlanta. But like, what? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't even I work hard. So therefore I play hard. I play I hard. I don't I think I can
0: could... I, I don't think it. I
1: can share what I do. I have you a good time. At... Yeah. Like you said up in that man, I have a really good time. Yeah, one, of great, one of my great friends said it uh when she first met me, she was like, Okay, no way I would have ever thought you was this ratchet. I know. Why they be thinking we made I... hmm yeah i have a good time you're gonna see me i i i party i have a good time i I love it i love it i work hard so
0: when it's time to play baby
1: i'm I'm ready
0: i'm there i'm right there with you i work hard i play hard i spend money like i was selling dope in the 80s when i be out (laughs) in these streets but that is just not the case i got social worker dollars but i work hard for my social worker dollars (laughs) so when it's time for me to engage in some hood rat activities, baby, I'm going to do it. Um yeah. and I love to hear that you also lean into all your hood rat activities cuz y'all like there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Like they both in. Like there's nothing wrong with it. If anybody told you you couldn't do the things that bring you joy, they set you up to not be happy.
1: Absolutely. And you have to you have to decide who you want to be around as well. Right?
0: Absolutely. Some
1: people are judgmental.
0: Leave them right where they at. Leave
1: them alone, right? Go do something. Life is too short to sit around and be judged all the time, Mm -mm. right? So, so go out, do do some ratchet stuff, like you say, be hood rat.
0: Do a little hood rat activity from time to time, whatever that might look like for you. Like I said, there are varying degrees, and I like to do them all. If it's watching a Lifetime Channel movie, and then going to brunch on Saturday, right? Like, and then Sunday again.
1: Kim, you're gonna have to come. You're gonna have to come down here. We'll have to go
0: to brunch in Atlanta. Listen, I'm trying to make the conference work at the top of March. Um, so it's a, this is a very strong possibility. Uh, because I'm. I also. What up, cousin Joy? I gotta come see Joy. I know Joy gonna oh, yeah. be at the uh at the
1: conference. Joy, joy is faithful. If yeah. ain't nobody knows faithful, Joy is yeah. faithful. I love you, yeah. some Joy. Yeah,
0: I love you, some Joy, man. So, I'm definitely. I'm trying to come down to Atlanta. Um. And you know, do I'm gonna learn some things, but I'm gonna do some Atlanta things as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, come down here, have a have a good time, have a real good time. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> have so, you ever been out here? Have you ever been down here, Kim?
0: I haven't been in. I haven't been since the big surge of people relocating to Atlanta to find themselves. Okay.
1: Um, so you know, you know old Atlanta.
0: I know old Atlanta. I know I know when underground was not cute. Okay. Uh, and I know y'all got a lot of places with grass walls and hookah and car washes that also got hookah. You know what I'm saying? Uh,
1: <laughs> it's important. Hookah is a staple. It's it a staple. is. A, it,
0: listen, hookah and lamb chops. If it ain't got hookah and lamb chops, why are we here? That's pretty much what I kind of discern when it's time to pick a brunch location. <laughs> but... But no, I'm trying to, I'm definitely, um, I'm trying to uh, improve my relationship with your city. That's the way I'm going to put that.
1: Come on
0: down here. Come on down. I'm trying to improve my relationship with your city. Um, So the last kind of official question that I want to ask, and it has a lot to do with helping people understand you got to plan or have an exit in mind when you come into social work. I want people to release themselves from the belief they got to stay in it for all of their life. Um, so I like to ask, like when it's all said and done for you in this work, like right? when you're done perform- like practicing as a social worker in this way, as a therapist or a clinician in this way, what do you want your legacy to be? No. my
1: my legacy in the field of social work? yeah, all right, interesting question. I never really looked at it, looked at that part of because you're right? building it? Yeah. When I look at legacy, I mainly look at family, mm-hmm. right? So what I want to look, you know, what I want that to look like. But if I'm looking at the field of social work, I guess I, my legacy, I would want it, people to understand the importance of reaching back and pulling other people up
0: mm-hmm.
1: because that's pretty much what the conference is about, right? Reaching back and providing a platform for people to come and show they, their skills. So you may start off presenting, here at the uh, Millennial Social Work Conference, but I want you to be able to present at a million other conferences, right? Continue to apply for bigger and better things. Um, same thing with when, when individuals are vending, right? I understand that you wrote this particular book for this, but keep going, don't stop, right? Continually um, work and try to provide this space for other individuals to come behind you and you kind of pour them up. I don't, I want us to kind of dismantle this crab in a barrel mm. um, or crab in a bucket, depending on where you're from mentality that certain people have, right? Yeah. That's not what we're doing. We're here to help each other because if I'm in the field today, I need somebody to be in the field tomorrow. I need somebody to be in the field when my grandchildren are around yeah. so on and so forth, right? So we want, we want to continue to expand the field of social work for us, right? Um, for individuals like us. And like I said earlier, stop being gatekeepers. We got to get rid of these gatekeepers.
0: They need to go. They need. They're the ones that need to retire. They need an exit strategy, a transition plan.
1: No, but I and and I do agree though. We we do have to have this exit strategy. Whenever you come to the field of social work, don't try to be here until you're sixty, 67 years old. Mm -hmm. Right it's okay to kind of map out your life. Mm-hmm. I find this, like, we, it's sections of your life, mm-hmm. right? And understand those sections as you matriculate throughout life. Um, yeah, because I'm not, you said you're not going to be in here forever. No, don't I don't know. I know I'm not going to be in here forever. <laughs> I, I left, like I said, I left my job after six years, right? Um, amazing job. I loved it, but I, I'm i done. It was yeah stage right and now I'm moving into this next stage mm-hmm. like I said in 10 years what well, I don't think I told you Kim but mm-hmm. I grew up on a farm right so I'm from Georgia so I grew up on a farm
0: I love so, that yeah
1: yeah so um in 10 years I'm gonna be back on my farm I'm gonna be back yeah. on, my farm, right um so yeah you have to have that it, right?
0: yeah well that that's so that's beautiful so for you like that legacy has a lot to do is it um I'm, about to, I'm gonna mix up my words is that one Kofi? reach back, you pull forward, Sankofi, oh, yeah, 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 reach yeah, back, yeah, pull absolutely, forward. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I absolutely love that. I love that. I love that. I stand on that as well. Ten toes down. Um, so Erica, please tell the people uh, the like the dates of the conference and the registration fees, how folks can find you and register all that good stuff, everything they need.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the conference is going to be March 1st and 2nd. It's always the first week in March, right? Social work month. So it'll be March 1st and 2nd of this year. Um, It's actually going to be, it's always in Atlanta as well. I know some people don't want it to be in Atlanta, but I love Atlanta. So it's always in Atlanta. Um, And I I find that people like to come to Atlanta. So, hey. Um, It's easy to um, get to. It's easy to get to. The conference is is not that far from the airport. This year is going to be on Metropolitan. If people from Atlanta, they don't have a lot to say about it. But it's going to be at Atlanta Metropolitan College. Um, So I definitely want individuals to come if you can. Let me see the ticket. So if you want to register for the conference, just go to our website. It's millennialswc.com. And you can can just scroll down and register there for the conference. If you want to vend at the conference, just let me know. Just reach out to us. Just send an email to contact at millennialswc.com if you want to vend, if you want to sell something at the conference. If you have any questions, any issues, any concerns, just reach out to us as well. We're here to help and offer support.
0: Love it. And then how can people, what are, what are y'all on IG or like just get in contact or follow the work mm-hmm. that's happening?
1: Yeah, it's just going to be at Millennial SWC. So pretty much everything is Millennial SWC. Come
0: on, branding.
1: Like <laughs> a shirt and
0: everything. I love it. I love it. Um. Well, Erica, thank you so much for carving out some time to be with me to share with folks who happen to listen to this. And like, I'm rooting. I am a fan and I'm trying to pull hey. up to Atlanta in March. Like, we're
1: going gonna, we gonna to you. learn me something. We we're we going we to figure out something to get <laughs> you.
0: We'll figure out how to get to in in March. Thank you so much for your time and for your wisdom and your commitment to us. Thank Truly. you for
1: everything, Kim. You are amazing. You have Thank built you. an amazing platform. You are amazing. Your your viewpoints, your perspectives on life, all of that's amazing. I think individuals need to hear that and need to need to continue to hear it. Right. So you keep doing what you're doing. Keep providing this platform for other individuals to to learn and understand the importance of not only social work but just the importance of their health as well. Mm. Right. Yeah, thank
0: you. Thank you. I appreciate that truly. That was a good conversation, right? Like, I really enjoyed hearing from Erica the foundation of the Millennial Social Work Conference. Like, what drove her to create it when she was in a space where she felt like she didn't belong or wasn't welcomed or understood and was like, I don't want anyone else to feel this way if possible. So, let me create some place for us to be. Um, that alone continues to provide me with the validation of, you know, and the affirmation of why I continue to show up and do the things that I do is because I want to make sure that black and brown folks in this work understand that we have always belonged. Even when we go into spaces where we feel like we don't, we're kind of coerced into believing that we're not good enough to be places. All of that is incredibly false, incredibly false. And so I don't have much of a good black word this week. I do hope you were left with some gems and some inspiration to continue to dream and believe that we can create the things. What we're given, we don't have to tolerate. We don't have to make do. We can understand the lessons within like all of these challenges and these things that we deal with, but we can imagine and create new ways of being in community, of being with each other, of doing this work. And I want us to stay in that space a bit more. It's our right to dream. It's also important to come up out of the clouds and think about how do we make those dreams into reality? Because Erica made the dream that she had for the Millennial Social Work Conference into a reality. And so when you see it, you can believe it and you can do it, too. You can do it, too. And I am hopeful that I will see as many of y'all as possible In March at the Millennial Social Work Conference. And and if you can't make it this year, and if you did not know about the conference, now you know, now you know. And so how can you begin to plan to come and be in community with all of us next year? And think about how your job can help support you in being in community and learning and growing from your colleagues and peers. And so I'm gonna leave it there. And as always, y'all, Please remember to take care of your hearts so that we can take care of each other because you already know what it is. We are absolutely all that we got. Y'all be well, and we will
1: chat next time.